Welcome to Looking Through the Glass Onion. This is episode two of our podcast. I'm Billy McGuigan here with Jay Hansen. Hello. And uh, Jay has picked our second song. So if you listen to our first, we did Love Me Do. Uh, weekly, we hope to uh, have covered a different Beatles song going in depth in all kinds of different areas. Today, we're taking a look at a pretty iconic Beatles song, Yellow Submarine. It's, it's possibly the most well-known Beatles song, don't you think? It's weird to think that, isn't it? it yeah, is. because I think if, like when I was a kid, it was the first song you learned on a recorder. Yeah. You know, yeah. you pick up a guitar in a classroom. Uh, yeah, very interesting song. A lot of good stuff to get to here. Definitely. So definitely. Let's, start, um, let's start with the charting of it, which oh, I always yes. find to be pretty interesting. Yeah. So this was a number one hit for the Beatles in the UK. Uh, really? It was a double A side. So the other, the flip side of it was Eleanor Rigby. Okay. Uh, but okay. it was a number one immediately in the UK, and it actually was the most popular song of that year. It won an award for being such. In the United States, it only reached number two. Interesting. Not as popular, and they think that it may not have charted number one because of John Lennon's popular than Jesus quote, which happened around that time. Interesting. Okay. And also... Okay. Uh, yeah, so the Butcher cover had come out around that time, was also controversial. So that's why we have, so we have a number one hit, kind of, yeah. in the UK, number two. Uh, interesting when you look at where it's placed in the Beatles canon of their singles. So the, the single released before it was Paperback Writer. Okay. Right? Great rocking song. Yeah. Then you have Yellow Submarine, Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. The next single they released would be Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane. Wow. Does it fit in there? I mean, and I guess I guess it does. What an interesting bridge from straight up rocker, paperback writer to two of the most iconic songs ever recorded. Yeah. Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane. So, yeah. Yellow wow. Sub. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I never think of it as a single. I never did either. Because, you know, they always <clears throat> kept them off the records. Right. You know? So I forgot it was a single. This one's on single. Revolver, obviously. Yeah. And also, uh, also the movie course right I mean, it, it got its own movie title yeah uh the writing of it um it's kind of interesting 90 i, I would in in the, all the research that i did and please chime in if you find it different probably 90 percent paul mccartney yeah one yeah. night he's laying in bed in jane asher's parents house probably down the hall from peter asher <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what's that group what is their group peter and gordon peter and gordon yes yeah. Please lock me away. <laughs> anyway, he's laying there. He's about to fall asleep. And he starts thinking about this song, Yellow Submarine, which is like a mariner explaining to a kid uh, his travels, which I thought was interesting. So oh, wow. Okay. Yesterday comes that way. Yellow Submarine also comes that way, kind of as a thought. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. An interesting non-credited co-write on this. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go All right. So yeah. Donovan. Donovan. Yeah. Donovan came up with the Probably sky the is blue. Sea of green. Sea of green. And our yellow so summer. Cool. What a great line. Yeah. Uncredited. Yeah. Probably one of the most important lines in the song. Totally. Yeah. Uh, interesting point in Revolution in the Head. Um, they'd hung out with Dylan. Uh, I believe the night before. Dylan was in London doing a show. And Dylan's sh uh, song, Rainy Day Women 12 and 35, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Everybody must get that song, which is sort of in Sing the vein. Sing along 
interesting. Charted two weeks prior to them recording Yellow Submarine. So if you listen to that song and then listen to Yellow Submarine, they're right, they're right there together. Cr- I, again, learning something new here. Yeah. I yeah. always find this song interesting. Um, I, I never thought of it as, I guess, until now at this point in my life, as a psychedelic song. But part of the psychedelic movement was kind of that kid... Very simple lyrics. It was. I didn't realize that was a part of the psychedelic movie. I always think of like a Pink Floyd song or right, something like right. Tomorrow Never Knows. But this actually fits right in that psychedelic thing. And when you listen to the song with headphones on, you know you hear in that, in when they're all singing in the chorus. And of course, we'll get to all the people that are singing in that chorus. But it's really interesting. It's like it's, the Beatles sound lazy. Like, we all live in <laughs> Which is really cool against this kind of fun bar singing song. Can you talk about that? Why, why do you think the, the, kid, the kid aspect was part of that psychedelic movement? What do, you, do you think that's like getting in touch with your inner child? What do you think? That's a, I, I'd actually never thought of that. I, I don't think of this as a psychedelic right. song. You know, I go to like... Hendrix and right. yeah, like right. tomorrow never knows so right. a lot of the Sergeant Pepper stuff. So that's interesting because it, you know, it, it's, I was thinking, ah, yeah, it, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting thing. I'd never thought of yeah. this as a psychedelic I, song. He, Paul talks about an all together now, which we'll have an episode on that, but, um, that that was part of that, because that's a song he wrote specifically for the Yellow Submarine movie. Right. Very simple, basically. Yeah, just, yeah. Again, another kind of three-chord yeah, song. Yeah, they, they, they go well together, they go as well we've to, done. But it's part, yeah, totally. <laughs> it is part of that psychedelic movement was stripping down things and getting back to the, um, the you know, kind of the kid part of, of your psyche or something, which I find interesting. Yeah, wow. But it's, and it, it is, it is a perfect segue into their... What's coming next? Yeah. And, you know, people always credit Tomorrow Never Knows as that, you know, like that movement towards a psychedelic period. But I'll put forth that Yellow Submarine might be closely linked more to Penny, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields and what becomes in Sgt. Pepper because it, it feels interesting. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of color happening in that song. Anyway, that's the stupid stuff I came up with. No, I like it. Well, you know, the <clears throat> date, I believe the second date where they had everybody in. Yeah. Um, is June 2nd or 3rd, which is exactly a year before Sgt. Pepper is released. Crazy. Yeah, that, that stuck in my head as I was that reading the it, second it does. session. It, 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 it's kind of a bridge that you don't think of. I mean, yeah. I've always thought of Tomorrow Never Knows as the bridge between Rubber Soul and Sgt. Pepper. But I don't know. I think as I listen to it now, and we've done a little research on the song, Yellow Submarine would work on Sgt. Pepper. Oh, it totally Tomorrow Never would. Knows, I think, is very Revolver. It's kind of, it kind of sums up Revolver in a beautiful way. It does. I don't know if it works as well on Sgt. Pepper as, as Yellow Submarine would. I'd never thought of that, but you're right. You know what I, I mean? I it's totally kind of agree with I'm that. When I'm 64, yeah, yeah. being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, it, it, it's a perfect segue in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of controversy isn't the right word, but nobody necessarily knows what Paul was writing. He claims that he was just writing a song, right? A kid's song. Yeah. Uh, some people have gone on to think it's it, it's about nuclear submarines. 
The most interesting one that I read, and I don't, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, it's interesting with the internet you can come up with, that it, it was written at a period right before they stopped touring. Okay. Uh, and yellow indicates friendship and happiness. Okay. And we all live in a yellow submarine would be the Beatles in their own happiness, shielded against the world of fame. Wow. Which I thought was a really cool interpretation. This person who wrote it could have totally been making it up, yeah. but it sounded really interesting. I was like, that was the one that I heard. I was like, you know what? Subconsciously, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Especially if Paul wrote it, because Correct. Paul was always trying to keep them together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. But I love the Donovan. I think that's the most interesting tidbit of, of the I'd, writing. I, I'm, I'd forgotten that. He should until, be a credited writer. I, on that he song, sure should. Yeah, that's a great what I was line. thinking too. I'm like, uh, Lennon McCartney? No, no Lennon McCartney Don, and Donovan. Donovan. And yeah. I, he, he, somebody has asked him about it. And some of the things I was, re- they had asked him about contributing that line. He goes, yeah, that was cool. But I'm more, I like the, uh, what they learned from me, guitar style. To influence Julia and Blackbird and Dear Prudence. And I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. Well done, Donovan. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a little Donovan and a little Dylan, possibly. Yeah, the Dylan thing is great. It's got to be. Oh, my. It yeah. Feels I mean, like listening that. to those yeah. two songs, because I, I just checked it out a little bit ago and I was like, oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> must get. It sounds like you're sitting around a campfire at a party within that, the Dylan song. Yellow Submarine, it's got that, it, it, it feels like you're like looking through a hole and you get to see the Beatles like having fun. Yeah. And that's what, and we'll get to this later, but this isn't a song I love. No. But as I've, <laughs> as I've discovered a little bit more about it, I'm like, this is a really great, great Beatles song. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to the recording. So okay. this is your area of expertise. Um, of course, George Martin produces this. Yeah. Per- he's sick though. He's oh, sick like the first night, so he's not there. He's not there for the basic tracks. He's not tracks. there for the basic tracks, Is yeah. Is Jeff Emmerich there? I think those? Emmerich's there, yeah. So they just, uh, John's on guitar, George is playing tambourine. <laughs> that happens a lot yeah. in Beatles songs. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like the song? All right, play tambourine in the corner. <laughs> Ringo's drumming, Paul's on bass. Uh, and then they, um, I believe it slowed down. I, I couldn't yeah, I make sense of, of, of exactly what they did because there's so, there's a little bit of conflicting information, but the song recorded is in G flat F sharp, depending on how right. you want to look at it. So let me ask you a question as we go down that path. 95% of Beatles songs that Ringo sings are in the key of E which is a really, when you look at it, uh, Boys is an E. Uh, any of the Carl Perkins stuff he's doing is yeah. an E. Okay. Uh, with a little help from my friends, an E. G is, is Good Night is in G, but Octopus is Garden in E. Don't Pass Me By in E. Okay, all right. Do you think they, rec- and when he plays it live now, he does it he in does E. He does it in E, doesn't he? So yeah. I wonder if they recorded it in E and then sped it up. What do you think? I... Is there any chance? I mean, why would they? Because he had a limited range. Right, right. Um, and this is kind of high. Like, if you or I were to sing this song, it's, it doesn't sit very well right. like, like other Ringo songs. Yeah, um, th- that's possible. Yeah, I, I, I seriously doubt they played it in F sharp. Correct. No way. No way. It doesn't. Out of tune. 
it 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 sounds more to me like they recorded in G and slowed it down. Got it. Just beca- to me, just because of the drums, the drums sort of have that b- bigger thing yeah. going on. Which, yeah. if you record a drum at a normal speed and then slow it down, they get it, the tone drops. They get bigger. So that's my thought. But again, I. I I read so many conflicting things that, and having not been there, <laughs> I, I guess only they would know. And they don't remember. <laughs> I <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> so, um, so, so my hmm. guess is that they did it in G, dropped it down. Interesting. That would make sense. As opposed to speeding it up to G from E. Yeah. If you know the answer to that, Send us yeah, a, send totally. us an email info at billymcguigan.com. <laughs> so we, so they record the basic tracks the first day. So, and then is it four, what, how many days later they come back? To, I think it's a week later. A week yeah. Later. So I think May 26th is when they do the basic tracks and then four it's, takes. It's not very many I th- takes. Th- right? Yeah. They, I think they, the four they nail th- it pretty, yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ringo sings lead. Yeah. The, the three of them do the choruses then I think they do another pass where all four of them are on the choruses. And then they, they have the party. In, they, they have a party. So again, uh, uh, foreshadowing what would happen with Sgt. Pepper, they bring in kind of a superstar cast to sing backup. So give me the list of names that you have there. So I've got Brian Jones from the, from the, from Rolling, from the Rolling Stones. Stones who, this isn't the only Beatles song he appears on. Right, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. get to that other ones later. Uh, Marianne Faithful. Yep. Great singer. Yeah, totally. Yep. Definitely tight with the Stones. Yep. Uh, Mal Evans, I believe, was... What do we call Mal? Mal's, Mal's kind roadie. of their road, roadie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Their, their bodyguard and roadie. <clears throat> yeah. I also have read that he was playing bass drum. Okay. As well. Yeah. Mal. Mal, Mal's definitely yeah. does some... <laughs> he, mean, does, he does the hammer. He does the bass <laughs> drum on this. <laughs> Set the alarm clock and Day in the Life. Counts out a Day in the Life. <laughs> Uh, Neil Aspinall, mm. who I don't know what we call him in Beatle lore. Either. Yeah, he ended up running Apple. Yeah, you know yeah. He, he's, he's responsible person. for the anthology later on. Yep, he's no longer with us. Right, right. Um, Patty Harrison. Yep. Yeah. George's um, wife. George's wife. The infamous Layla. Yeah. And Brian Epstein is another one that I read. Oh, okay. allegedly he was there. I didn't. I didn't have him. He was um, there too. George Martin. Yep, did was down. Jeff Emmerich was down in the How in the room. How much fun would that have been? Yeah, um, Alf Bicknell, the driver, the driver, <laughs> the limo driver. He shows um, he shows up. Uh, he shows up in Revolution in the Head. So possibly, possibly uh, all those folks, and who knows who else? Yeah, so, yeah. so great. Yeah. Um, Another interesting part of the song is the fun that they're having. You can hear that, of yeah. course, in all the choruses. Yeah. These people also all did the sound effects. Yeah, totally. They're like, you know, you have John, like, with a straw blowing water. You've got a couple of the guys dragging chains through a tub. Through a tub, yeah. So they go into this infamous trap closet. The trap closet. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is like right there, which is there, and they underneath open it the up stairs and yeah. go crazy. So, yeah. interesting side note: this this would fall in a later category, but I'll, I'll forget. I know the uh, uh, cash register isn't used not necessarily on this song, but the cash register that Pink Floyd would use for money 
is in this famous trap closet. They also raided this. So it was there, they say. They didn't no use way. It, but, um, that's, I love that's this. Awesome. Yeah, that's this just awesome. makes this song so much cooler. Totally, totally. Yeah. So we've got clinking glasses, like you said. Yeah. Um, party chatter. Brass band. Let's save that because that gets into okay. uh, that gets into our interesting facts. Yeah, okay. We'll have to talk about that. All right, cool, cool. So in cool. a recording style, they take John and Paul and they put them in the echo chamber for this. Yeah. To do the full shred hammers about ring full shred head. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, so at that, and that was evidently all rift. They just kind of improv that. that great? Brilliant. <laughs> totally. Probably the best part of the song, headphones. Yeah. And then Ringo was recorded at a separate time doing the cut the cable. Yeah. And if you listen to it in headphones again, you hear him say, cut the cable, cut the cable. And it's like they try to loop it again. He goes, cut the, and it kind of cuts off. That's uh, the tape up, Phil McDonald. Listen uh, to this. <laughs> uh, apparently made some mistakes in punching out. <laughs> and so he like, um, there's different versions, um, stereo, mono, 5.1 mix, where you hear more of John's things and oh. some of Ringo's things. And Phil McDonald said, when I heard the 5-1 mix, I was relieved that I didn't miss as many things as I thought I did in punching out. So <laughs> it's, it's so interesting to think that here's the biggest band in the world, yeah. and yet, you know, things that, like, I'm... I, as an engineer, would be like, oh, my God. I, I mean, I, I get his pain, yeah. you know, but yet it didn't really matter. In no, the, it kind you know. of makes it more endearing. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so there's, there is talk that Ringo, parts of what he did during that was he was in between the chamber and the studio. Like, there's a little, mm -hmm. like, holding spot there. So they recorded him there. Um, yeah, John and Paul were allegedly in the uh, the chamber, the famous chamber, famous to me anyway. Um, <laughs> one of the things I want to talk about real quick is yeah. is the microphone underwater microphone thing. Please, yeah, because um, so there's there is legend that that uh, the engineers wrapped one of the microphones in a condom. That's a big story out there. Um, uh, Ken Townsend says, wasn't a condom. It was his plastic bag that his sandwich was wrapped in that his <laughs> wife made that he brought to work that day. <laughs> so they wrapped this mic in a, in a, in a plastic bag. <laughs> Isn't that great? So um, then they stuff it in a glass uh, milk bottle, fill right. it with water, and then John's talking through that. They went through all this, and then allegedly they, it, they didn't use it. Which makes sense because I think about that and I'm like, there's no way that would have sounded like underwater. That it just sounds like drugs <laughs> talking. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so supposedly they just ended up running a mic into, um, and I can't remember the line that John says, but they just ran a mic into his Vox amp, which makes sense. Is, is that the sky of blue when he's when he's echoing the chorus? See, I think that's that may be in when he's in the chamber. Got it. But because it sounds so cool. Yeah. Again, listening to it, kind of with this, you know, through this looking glass or the glass onion lens, 
I mean, I heard it like in a completely different way. It, yeah. It, it's such a great, well-produced song. It is. When it's, you really listen to it, it's, it is simple, but the complexity they put on it, just wow. Like little things like that. It made all the difference. Yeah. And this is a song that for me, um, it, I very easily go back to when I was a child and I heard it. Yeah. Um, because my my introduction to the Beatles was the Red Album, 62 yeah. to 66. Yeah. This was on there. I played it all the time, and I remember feeling like I was in the submarine with them. And it, it, this is one of those songs wow. that takes me back there. Right. So it's cool. You it know? is cool. And it, it and I, the, the genius of those guys and George Martin as a team really comes through in this song. Yeah. Because um, this is right up George Martin's alley with the goon stuff. God, it's it, he's perfect for it. <laughs> yeah. It seems so, you know listening to it again from a different, just trying to come at it like fresh. That was kind of my idea. Yeah. Last night. I'm going to listen yeah. to it. Like I've never listened to it before. It is. It's alive. Yeah. It sounds so alive and captures what an incredible time. Yeah. It's not a throwaway song that I thought it's, it was. It really right. Isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have anything else uh, recording wise? Uh, J160 no. is the acoustic. J160 is probably the acoustic. Yeah. I think Paul that's all on the Rick or Hoffner. Uh, I, at this point, I think he's Rick. Probably Rick, right? Yeah. And a, a Ludwig kit. Yeah. For Ringo, of course. And yeah. we, again, don't know the tambourine. <laughs> what kind of mic did they try to put in the... It was a Neumann KM53. There you go, dorks. That was just for you. <laughs> we want to talk about the cultural relevance of uh, Yellow Submarine. So in researching it, something I didn't realize, it, it became, in the late 60s, a protest song. So protesters in America and, and England in particular would use this as a protest song. It would, they would sing it against, against the war, against uh, labor rights, which really? I, I never knew. I did not know I never that knew. So that must have gone away. That must have been a pretty brief period of time. But some anti-war people in America used it, um, again, against nuclear war. Wow. Okay. In- interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the drug reference. Uh, yeah. Evidently, people think that Paul had a yellow submarine drug and wrote the song. That's, every Beatles song could be a drug reference, for as far as we know. Yeah. It was also kind of the Seven Nation Army of its day. Soccer teams or football teams, you know, whatever you take, <laughs> would sing it. It's still used, I guess, with some. Maybe Liverpool uses it. Really? Somebody would, a bigger football fan would have to and that's soccer in America, would have to let me know if it's <laughs> okay. still, but I, it, it was kind of used for that. That's cool. But I think most interestingly, it's a kid's song. Yeah, oh, I yeah, yeah. What a great entryway for the Beatles, for your kid, four, five, three, play this song. I mean, this was evidently my first words was <laughs> me trying to say Lello because of this song. Uh, it's just such a, the cartoon didn't hurt. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah. But culturally, it's a pretty important song. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, and and again, I. It may be the the most well known Beatles song. It's either this or Hey Jude or Yesterday. I mean, it's top five at least, but maybe number one. I yeah, ju- I just think I I think in our experience with doing the show. Yeah. Um. For a long time, it had a slot that we always did it. Right. And, yeah. and, and I, I mean, 
it is always, I mean, we, we get a handful of those requests. It's the only Beatles song I know. And it's always yellow submarine. Always yellow submarine. Yeah. Which I find is, is, and I wonder why that is. It must be again, when you're a kid, my age, so I'm 43. This was always in music books at school. Like I always was so excited when the yellow submarine part would come like, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, interesting facts that we know about this song. Okay, let's let's okay. get right to the horn part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is there's some controversy. There sure is over what they did. So I'll take one point. You you take the other. So okay. one is that that was there were session session musicians that were booked around that time that you know for the revolver sessions whatever it was that they feel uh, that's who recorded it. So George Martin probably came up with a quick arrangement. They played it. That's one side of the story. The other side is... Well, and, and I, I agree with that side, but yeah. the other side is that they found... Um, they sampled. Right? Tape loops, or, ta- you know, yeah. out, of the, out of the vast sound library in, in the closet right. <laughs> um, and, and spliced them together. Right. But there's an interview with George Martin in New Music Express in 66 that says we had a live brass band... In the studio, right. So, so why is there controversy over it? Because it, it's hard to, for people to hear, or I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're uncredited, right? Um, to my knowledge, anyway. Um, but I can't. Um, I mean, I mean, there's brass all over Revolver, right? I mean, it's in for no one. It's in Got to Get You into My Life. It, it's there. Yeah. Why wouldn't they have you? And, and again, they use it in Sgt. Pepper. Again, another reason why this song. It's a very pepper song. Yeah, it yeah. has the horns. In it. Yeah, we're uh, we're going with it was live. I believe so too. It's too perfect. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you can't splice that. Oh, that would. Yeah, I I don't. It, it's yeah, it's too well executed to be. In our expert opinion, we believe that the horns <laughs> on Yellow Submarine to be recorded live by a quartet or a quintet. <laughs> Brass players. I, I, I mean, I can't, um, unless it was just like the luckiest thing ever where it was sitting there right. in that. I mean, it, it's, I haven't listened to it that close, to, but there's, I, it I sounds doubt live it's, to yeah, me. yeah, it sounds performed, not spliced together. We're, we're going with that. I think so. I feel comfortable. Uh, in 1985, there's this big garden festival that happens in Liverpool and um, apprentices from the shipyard build a 51-foot yellow submarine, right? Nice. This is a stupid fact that I know. Uh, and then it's now at the John Lennon Airport in Liverpool, so you can go visit a yellow submarine. Really? Again, the cultural iconicness of this song, proof there. So when you fly into Liverpool, land at John Lennon Airport, there's a 51-foot yellow submarine that's out there. Now, and us wow. touring the country... You see yellow submarines everywhere. Like people will paint their propane tanks yellow. Yeah, we've yeah. seen cars with yellow submarine themes, so it's out there. Maybe my favorite uh, stupid fact about this song is this is the highest charting Beatles song where Ringo sings lead. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I, all right. So let's put that question out there: Is this the most popular Ringo song? Oh, I as a I, Beatle, I think so. The only, the only one that I think gives a competition is with a little help from my friends. Right, right, yeah. Which I think is probably, a, it seems like a better Ringo performance to me. It sounds more fun. But Ringo's great on the song. Paul wrote this for him. Um, not his first original Beatles song that he sings, because the first one is What Goes On, I think, off a of Rubber Soul. Right, 
Right. And so they give him this song. It's a perfect choice. Paul wouldn't have sung it like Ringo. No. George, obviously not. John, maybe, because he just sounds so great on the sky blue, sand green. <laughs> Do you have any other stupid things that you know about I, this? I, no, I, I learned some stuff about that. I didn't know there was a John Lennon Airport in Liverpool. Yeah, the that John Lennon Airport cool. in Liverpool. That's cool. Someday. Someday. So we're going to talk about, uh, again, our perspective of th- that we can bring to this song is, is live performance of it. Yeah. Your ability to perform this song live, issues that we have performing it live, et cetera. If we're rating this one, this is a tough song to pull off live. Yeah, because of the sound effects. Because of the sound effects. Yeah, totally. So we do a couple of little things. Uh, you know, we have a lot of clicking, and uh, our drummer has some in his sound box. He hits some sounds that it's probably a car or a boat, but it kind of gives the motor sound. Yeah. Sounds like I think there's a toilet flushing. A toilet somewhere. flushing in there somewhere. Yeah. Just we've tried <laughs> grabbing a microphone and having straw blow. It, it, that doesn't work. Uh, I do the little. Follow ahead, Mr. Bartrain. Follow oh, yeah. With a megaphone. Which so if you're going to do that, that's how you got to do that. Totally. Which is, it, it's one of the highlights of the show. It is. People, People love that. Yeah. 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 They love uh, that. And that was luck. I think we just kind of came along. Like, oh, it would work. I think a megaphone would yeah, work. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, we do it in the key of E. Yeah. We've moved it down. Because when I heard Ringo play Ringo. live, that was like, oh, he's not singing that in G or G flat. It works better for our drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Difficulty level, where do, where do you rate it? Scale of one to ten. You know, in the key of E, just because of like, um, to me, they're playing like a ton of six string chords, meaning yeah. using all six strings, playing, you know, a fourth below the root, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so, but, but that sound to me is, is, is very identifiable with several Beatles songs. And so moving it to E creates some challenges yeah. finger wise because they play some passing chords getting from right. E to A to B and back to A. And, and so it, it is actually, <laughs> here's, here's a story about performance that I'll talk about that I think has affected us. So yeah. when we were in G, which we did for years, yeah. um, when we would do the chorus, we would all like do this little <laughs> synchronized like thing where we were like, it was like we were rowing, rowing, rowing a boat. A boat. <laughs> <laughs> which seems to work in G. <laughs> in E, we stopped <laughs> because we, we have to, I still have to think about it and I've been doing it this way for four years. <laughs> so, um, so that has changed. <laughs> <laughs> it is a- My choreography has gone to crap in E. <laughs> It's harder to dance and eat, guys. Just keep that in mind. Um, it, it is a crowd pleaser. Oh, undoubtedly. For sure. Yeah. Um, we play it a lot. We've, again, we've, we've, I think we talked about Love Me Do. We've played that probably 100 times. We've probably played this 500 yeah. to 600 times. Yeah. It always works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Typically, our drummers, now this is no offense to them, but they're not the strongest singers in the band. No. But I always feel like it's a good opportunity for them to at least do something right yeah uh, it's not an easy because i there's a couple times when maybe their voice is out that i've had to sing it and it's not an easy song to sing <laughs> yeah i i wouldn't um, be able to do it yeah i, I it, get that it's uh so if you're going to perform this 
you got to have fun with it. That's the probably yeah. the most important thing. Don't oh well, God, if the guy's flat on the we all live in a submarine chorus. Eh. Right. But everybody's going to be singing with you. They got your back. They want to have fun with it. Totally. You'll see kids' faces light up. Um, but you got to make that middle part cool. Yeah. For God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get a megaphone. Again, such a great idea. The megaphone works so well. Yeah. It's and so. it and it really does. People, when you pull that out and start and start doing it, people are just like, "Oh my yeah. god!" And the hardcore so cool. dudes are like, "Oh, that's how they're gonna do it." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so that's performing. <laughs> So performing. Glad this isn't a YouTube podcast. <laughs> uh, so if you're going to perform it again, just be w- mindful that the most important thing is is to have fun with it. Choose a key. G it plays a little easier in. E it sings a little better in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but make sure you have everybody in your band singing on the chorus. Totally, totally. Uh, have fun. All right, yeah. let's rate this one. And you have to defend your uh, rating. So again, just a reminder: every song we're going to rate on our glass onion lens so yeah, uh yeah. one glass onion being not a second time five glass onions being a day in the life i still love that <laughs> second time is, <laughs> is that gonna be 217 it probably <laughs> probably so i'm gonna i'm gonna so go ahead you uh you rate and then defend what do you got you know i feel not to repeat myself because i think i went three and a half stars with love me do but i'm gonna go three and a half stars with yellow submarine Okay, talk to me. Um, not the strongest song. Right. Um, not my favorite song. Um, I do feel like in researching it this week, I feel a new sort of reintroduction to it. Um, and it does have some happy memories for me childhood-wise, which is yep. so cool. Um, but it's it's... I guess as a my serious Beatles scholar coming out, um, it's kind of a novelty song. Yeah. And so I think that's why I give it a three and a half. I like the three and a half. A week ago, when you said you were picking the song, I would have been, eh, I have two. Right, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go four on this now yeah. Yeah. Um, for several reasons. One, I think it's probably one of my favorite George Martin production choices. I think it sounds really interesting when you listen. I listen to the stereo, the, the more modern stereo mix of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just, the way that he made it sound like you're in the room yeah. with the Beatles was one thing. So that's, that's really cool. Cause yeah. like you said, and I never really thought of it that way. It was always like, anytime a Ringo song comes on, if I'm being honest, I'm always like, mm, yeah, not the strongest vocals, not the most interesting song. But this one is really, really interesting. Yeah. It sounds fun. It oh sounds like God, they're having fun. Yeah. And when you look at it from the way that Paul wrote it, where it's a, an old mariner sitting down telling kids about his travels, it sounds like that too. Yeah. And I think that's what you feel when you reminisce about it. It did feel like Ringo was sitting you down and telling you about this place that then they capture in a movie. Yeah. And that really upped the game for me. I mean, it's not... When you look at the songs that they've chosen for their movies, let's let's right now. So it's you've got a Hard Day's Night. Right. Awesome song. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable song. Unbelievable. Help. Help. Yeah. Which is God, I mean, John Lennon can it was his favorite Beatles song. Yeah. A song that he wishes he would have re-recorded because, you know, it, it just is so deep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Let It Be, which 
my God, let's let it be. Yeah. And then Yellow Submarine. I mean, yeah. it, they chose it as a movie, so it means something to them. Yeah. You know what wow, I mean? I've they, never thought... I and mean, I didn't either. If you, put it in, <laughs> if you put it with those four songs... It's a big deal. Wow. And I never yeah. realized it was the number one. I never thought of it as I a single. either. Yeah. Um, and... I got him. Now I'm talking myself into a four and a half. I'm going to go four and a half. <laughs> all right. All right. It's also, I think more than any other Beatles song prior to, if we're excluding Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, which you and I all both agree, it probably should have been on right. Sergeant Pepper. Even George Martin agrees. I mean, I, there's no doubt. And it's yeah. a, what a mistake, but yeah. maybe one of the only ones they make. This is the bridge between Rubber Soul and Sergeant Pepper. I think even more than Tomorrow Never Knows. I think Tomorrow Never Knows is brilliant beyond beyond maybe anything they've ever done. But Yellow Submarine could be on Sgt. Pepper without question. I, ag- I agree with that, and I never thought about that before. And it probably, I mean, I, I wonder if they go, damn, how great would it be to go from when I'm 64 to Yellow Submarine or fixing yeah. a hole to Yellow Submarine? Yeah. Just really, really interesting song for that... And they didn't typically give Ringo great songs, and they gave him a gem. Yeah, in this one, and he delivers. He does. Yeah, he delivers. So I'm going four and a half glass onions. Nice on this one uh, for cultural importance. I think it's Paul wrote a great song. So did Donovan. By yeah. The way. Um. So Yellow Submarine. That's it. Nice. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I do. Oh, please. Um. I just remembered there yeah. was an intro originally. Totally. So just just go remember. back to interesting facts. So, um, so like there's what, a 15 second spoken That you can find word. on YouTube. I sent it to you. Did you listen to it this uh, morning? I didn't, but yeah. I, I did. I listened to, I think I have like an anthology plus some weird thing. And so is it on the anthology? It was, uh, I think it's the, the B side of real love. That's where it is. Yeah. 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 They put it out there. So yeah, there's like a, a I think it's just 15 seconds Kind of long. a medieval yeah. poem that they think John wrote. Yeah. And, and there's it's got like, Mal Evans playing a bass drum. Yeah. Boom, boom, and it sounds and like marching behind. Marching behind yeah. it. And Ringo kind of talks this little poem. Yeah. Yeah. And evidently they spent time with it. It wasn't a throwaway thing. They, right. Because they were going to use it. And use then it. they just Again, decided. on Pepper, they would have used it. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. So... Don't listen to it as a five-year-old or a 10-year-old. Put your headphones on. Yeah. Grab a glass of wine or whatever you need to do and give it a listen. Yeah. Because I think, I think it'll surprise you. Yeah. It's a good and one. And if you're going to play it live, have fun. <laughs> I know now after doing this that we'll play it different live. Oh, there's no you doubt and, about it. I, I mean, sure I feel, will. I feel, yeah, yeah it's, it, yeah, it is, it is, um, it has changed my perspective of it a little bit. Definitely mine. Again, from two two glass onions to four and a half, just spending a week researching it. It's a, it's a really great song. Yeah. Um, and inspired George Martin to do all of the Pepperland, like the Welcome to Pepperland. All of that is based on stuff they did on this song. Damn it, it's a good one. <laughs> and a good movie, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, give it a listen. Do your thing. This is episode two of... Uh, through the glass onion episode three i pick yeah we're gonna do i've got a feeling oh all right one of my faves off of let it be so i'm billy i'm jay and we'll see you next time
All right. Good night. <laughs> Pepperland. <laughs>